Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Today, we're going to talk about how to structure a referral program, specifically for a product that people don't normally buy on the spot, like a B2B SaaS product. First, let's give some updates on our businesses. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And I'm Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs. What's up this week, Rick? <laughs> you remember how last week I was telling you I was blocked on some CSS learning? Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who are just catching up, I'm teaching myself how to code, and I am not a technical person. Uh, I guess I kind of have it. I'm, I'm a hybrid, but haven't coded in the past. And uh, anyway, I've been working on I got stuck on CSS for a while. And I, I could not understand the difference between Flexbox and Grid and why there were these two things. And I found this awesome YouTube. I wish I remember the guy's name, uh, but he, he put together a YouTube video and he basically went through the history of CSS layout where mm-hmm. it, he talked about the table days where you used to you know, lay out everything in a table and there were all kinds of problems with that. And then he talked about how like a new CSS feature called Float was... Uh, was was released and how it was originally intended for images and to be able to float them within text or like a word processor, but people found a hack for it and you know started laying out their websites with um, you know float, which had its own problems, and then Flexbox came out, which is great for modules um, within um, a layout, but not so not necessarily the whole layout. Um, and then Grid comes out and it's actually built for layout. And it's cha- it's blowing everyone's mind. And then somewhere between Flexbox and Grid and or Float and Grid, Bootstrap four came out or Bootstrap came out where it combined JavaScript with CSS to do layout. Is it accurate? Yeah, I mean Bootstrap is like a third party library. To, it, it's effectively like instead of every programmer going out and doing this themselves, why don't you start with some boilerplate that one programmer wrote? Basically, got it, got it. So it's like a framework for layout. Yeah, built on JavaScript. Okay. So Which yeah, I, I, it came out before grid. I'm, I'm of the opinion, something like bootstrap should not really be necessary these days, but that's, that's the general own. consensus yeah. um, is that now that grids out abandoned frameworks, don't, don't try to hack float and tables and flexbox into a, you know, a Fle- flexbox is still essential, but yeah, I'm use, use flexbox within grid, but don't use it to lay out the whole page. That's, that's the consensus I'm getting to. Okay. There's, okay. there's debate on it though. Yeah, I use it for my whole page, but anyway, we, <laughs> we probably don't need to get in the weeds there, but Grid is great. I support that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, um, that like totally got me over the hump. And so I just completed, um, I'm going through the Code Academy, the Code Academy, I think is what's called, um, web development uh, course. And there's a bunch of different modules. I just finished the CSS module, the advanced CSS module. So I'm going to spend some projects, wrap up some test practice projects this week. And then I'm going to kind of catch up on some... Uh, color theory that I need, I don't really understand color theory. And I think that's pretty essential for, you know, designing an MVP, like being able to, you know, make your, have you read refactoring UI? No, that's like the only thing you need. Go, it it costs money, but I know you're not afraid to spend money on valuable stuff. Go, go get refactoring UI. You won't need any other design tool at all. Okay. I'm going to do that right after this. Uh, And then, uh, you know, next week it's, I'm going to move into actually building, um, no code based MVPs. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, do some JavaScript on the side just to continue to build my coding uh, skills. Cool. 
Um, how do you feel like emotionally? Like it sounds like like a week ago you're kind of thinking I'm hitting a wall. Do you are you into it and invigorated now, or is it still a oh, challenge? Oh yeah, totally, totally. And I I feel very. Um, I reviewed my goals. Remember last week we were talking about how what's the point of all of this? Yeah. And I did like go back and actually review how I structured the goal. The goal is not to learn how to code. The goal is to learn how to build MVPs right without software developers. Um, and I can I see a pathway to doing that now, and I need to pursue it. Um, I don't want to because I broke through on the coding. I don't want to just abandon it. So I'm just going to drop the time down to like five hours a week that I'm spending time learning how to code, mm-hmm. and then put the all the time I was putting into um, code code learning and practice into building an actual MVP with no code. You're planning on using Webflow for your your no code thing, right? I'm pretty sure Webflow will be the CMS slash front end design tool. Um, I I there's a potential that I might use I might not use it for the app, um, but we'll we'll see. Okay. The reason I ask is uh, having used Webflow, understanding how Grid and Flexbox work is going to make it so much easier. Oh, I was so I was struggling. I tried to do. Earlier this year, I tried to go through Webflow before I started learning CSS, and I was very confused by some of the features. Mm-hmm. I, could have I could I have figured it out without understanding it? Now I can go in there and go, oh, that's why that's there. I'm basically manipulating a CSS file visually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, cool, cool. Yeah, so that's that's. I feel I'm in a much better place on the no code on the coding journey that I'm on. Great. What about you? So uh, earlier this week, we had our second user conference for Less Annoying CRM. Um, which is just a, a wild experience. So we had about 50 or so users fly into St. Louis, and it was uh, Sunday night through Wednesday midday. Um, lots of, you know, for an introvert like me, just lots of interaction with people. Uh, I think it's exhausting from an actual energy expenditure standpoint, but it's also exhausting from like a social interaction standpoint. So. It was a really great experience, but also I'm I'm like so tired now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like. Um, so, how did your keynote go? Good. Um, so, yeah, w- one thing that I have learned to do with myself is rather than try to imitate Steve Jobs, like I kind of lean into the nerd thing. Um, I-, I did this when we worked together in Zane Benefits, where uh, customers would come into the office. And we'd kind of play up the fact that I'm the back office programmer guy. And so then they their expectations are very low. And all I have to do is basic competence. And they're like, oh, wow, very impressive that the programmer can talk. <laughs> he can look people in the eye and have conversation. He yeah. must be special. <laughs> so, you know, the we, we have Alex Hyman's kind of the, the business presenter type guy at the company. So he did the first intro. And then I did my 45-minute like product keynote where I said, you know, here's what we're doing with the product and this and that. And the dynamic was here's the nerd to talk about the product, which really makes it easy to deliver on those expectations. Nice. So Alex emceed the conference. Yeah. Yeah. In per- I mean, he he's one of the the two main people at the company that organized it. But yeah, every, everyone kind of thinks of him as the face of the company in a lot of ways. <laughs> That's great. It's perfect. One time he gave a, uh, a presentation at, like at a local St. Louis thing. And I was talking to someone who was in the the audience, and he was like, "Oh, what do you do at Lessening Serum?" And I was like, "I'm the CEO." And he was like, "Hate to break it to you, but Alex is the CEO." <laughs> so that's the impression people get. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, what else? Anything else going on? Uh, no, I mean that that took up you know all. I, I was completely backed up on email. Like normally, I'm pretty organized, but for that three days, I was just all in on conference. So that's about it. <laughs> so you, are you taking it easy the rest of the week, or are you trying to catch up now? I'm trying to catch up. 
I, I oh, was man. really hungover yesterday because the last night of the conference, we, we had this really great week. We hosted a private concert with one of St. Louis's best musicians. It was really cool. After it ended at like 1030 or 11, some maybe 10 of the customers were like, what bar are we going out to? And we stayed out till like 2 a.m. We did karaoke. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was just like completely hungover yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so you were you were exhausted mentally, emotionally. And uh, physically. Yes. Yeah. Really hit the trifecta there. <laughs> but I'm recovering. It's it's about back to normal now. Are the Cardinals out of the playoffs yet? Yeah, they got swept by the Nationals. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man that's too bad. I don't care about baseball. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. Let's dive into the topic here. So this week's topic is something I'm working on right now. Um, we're kind of framing it as how to structure a referral program. But let me dive into why I'm thinking about this. So Less Annoying CRM, my business, is currently at about $2.5 million in annual recurring revenue. We're growing about 20% per year. I'm happy with both of those numbers. Um, but like every company obviously wants to grow, at the very least continue growing and maybe even increase growth. Um, and we have not had a lot of success with a lot of marketing things we've tried. One of the reasons for this is totally my fault that I, I refuse to do certain things. Like I don't want to do retargeting advertising because I think it's like, a privacy violation. Um, I don't want to, you know, anything that's like not permission marketing, I'm pretty much opposed to. Also, it's just not one of our core competencies. And because our price point is so low, we don't have the type of budget to compete with other companies on marketing. So as a result of that, the way we grow is almost entirely through word of mouth, which is awesome because it's like free. It aligns what we're doing with customers. I really like word of mouth growth, but the downside is we have like no control over it. I think that's would you agree that's true with most companies that you just kind of cross your fingers and hope word of mouth happens? Yeah, I would say so. It's definitely one of those voodoo marketing tricks yeah. versus a um, systematic, you know, levered sales approach. Right. So word of mouth is a big, th big topic. Like it, you know, making the product better, for example, maybe is one way to help with it. That, that's not what I want to talk about today. What I want to specifically do is say in as much as we can control word of mouth growth, well, A, we have to be able to track it in order to do anything with it. Um, and B, like it, a referral program is one of potentially many ways to grow, to increase word of mouth growth. So that's kind of what I want to talk about. Historically, what we've done as a company is we've offered a deal. It's it's basically the Dropbox deal, which is anyone of our, anyone of our customers who refers someone else, that other person gets a free month, uh, an extra free month of their free trial. And the person who did the referring gets a $10 credit, so a free month themselves. So a give one, get one. Give one, get one, exactly. A pretty, pretty classic approach that's worked plenty of times before. Um, unfortunately, like not many people actually use this. We, we know, or anecdotally, we have, we have quite a bit of reason to believe that lots of people, like almost all our growth comes from word of mouth, but the vast majority of that, I'd, I would estimate it at about 5 to 10% actually uses the referral program. Um, which is not great because it means we can't track it. We can't tell what's working. We can't experiment very easily. So basically what I would like to talk about today is how do we offer some kind of referral program that gets our users, when they refer someone, when they do the word of mouth thing, the, the person who's signing up actually uses a link that tracks back to, or may, maybe that's not even the way to do it, but that one way or another, we can track it back to the person who did the referral. Um, so this might involve giving incentives that might be restructuring how the technology for the link tracking works. I don't know, but that that's kind of the basic problem I'm, I'm interested in talking about. 
Yeah. So recapping, I want to make sure I got this. Um, you've got a couple of, cons- of challenges. Well, positively, you've got a great product that people want to talk about. That's the good thing. Yeah, that's the good thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and you and you you know that that's happening. You just don't have control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, one constraint you have is that you have a low ACV, which means you can't spend a whole lot of money on this. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger constraint, though, is, is your philosophical constraints that you're placing on yourself that uh, don't allow you to engage in some of the marketing activities that actually do give you control over this in terms of data collection. Fair. I, I, maybe we should talk about those because, you know, it's a case by case basis, I guess. Yeah. So I, I actually like I think it's it's hard enough to to control marketing on a low ACV mm-hmm. um, by itself. And then when you add, oh, and, I'm and not going to do sorry, that. ACV is annual contract value, right? Correct. Thank yeah. you. Um, annual contract value, which is or this is let's just talk in it's ten dollars per user per month. So when, you know, with that amount of money. You know, you don't have a whole lot of money to spend on advertising or anything like that. And then on top of that, you're saying, but I'm not even going to, I wouldn't even be willing to do that if I did have the money because <laughs> I don't believe in it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, kind of, so that's one of the reasons I'm trying to constrain this to say there's a whole range of topics about marketing that we could be talking about. But just to keep this constrained, I'm saying like people are already doing word of mouth like referrals, I want to be able to track it and consider ways to specifically enable them. One of the things I love about word of mouth is that the customer wants to refer people to us. Like everyone is aligned here. I just want to empower them to do it and make it as easy for them and as effective as possible. Yeah. And I, I guess where I was going was, um, I'll get the, I'll get this. I'll try to get this right. One of one of uh, my board members at PeopleKeep and largest shareholders, he had some really good. He he was from from a, a different background than software as a service, but he had some good just general business wisdom. Mm-hmm. One of the phrases he always used was control, profitability, growth. And you, his point was, control is really the key to a good a great business. And before you get before you want to worry about profitability or growth, you want to get control over your business and control becomes, you typically becomes before growth and your situation, you're growing without control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess when you say that the goal might be to get control, I, I want to ask you, are you, willing, are you willing to sacrifice growth to get control? That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I my mind immediately jumps to like asking an extra question during a person's sign up decreases their chances of signing up, but we have more information. I don't know if that's where you're going with that. To some extent, yes. Although it, I would say our willingness to do that is limited because this is our main channel for growth. And it, at the end of the day, I'm not like that opposed to just saying like, whatever, I can't control it. I, like as long as it happens, I'm fine with it. But um yeah, I, I guess once again, it'd be a case by case basis in terms of like how, how much of a sacrifice are we making? Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting to is it seems like there's two goals that you want to talk about today. And I want to clarify, this is a customer referral program that we're talking about here. This is not a general referral program that anyone can use. So we're talking specifically about a existing cu- paying customer of Less Annoying referring another paying customer. Yeah. This isn't, you know, a third party affiliate referring Right. We have a customers over. different, sometimes we partner with people with affiliate stuff, but that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about here. So um, it seems like there's two objectives you have. 
one is that you believe you have a hypothesis that you believe that there's a reason you have a referral program that's that's from a from a structure standpoint is built for the customer, but it's just not getting used. And mm-hmm. you you know, one goal is to reduce resistance and increase, you know, incentive for your customers to take advantage of the referral program that exists. And then the second, it seems like a secondary, not primary goal is to get more control over this thing. Yeah. I think that's right. And and yeah, one way of looking at this is even if we don't increase the word of mouth growth at all, just knowing it's there would be super valuable because we have a hypothesis about what our future growth is going to look like. And it's really based, every marketing channel does not scale, but word of mouth scales with the size of our customer base. Having a good sense of like, is our word of mouth growth greater or less than churn? That's the difference between the company plateauing in six months or having sustainable growth forever. That's great. Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, totally. Are you slowly dying without knowing it, or are you slowly growing? We are almost. It's, we are doing exactly what should be impossible. We've had basically linear growth for the last however many years, like three, four years. In theory, what should happen is either we plateau because churn is higher than word of mouth, or we hockey stick up because word of mouth is higher than churn. And you, you, if you look at the numbers, you cannot see one of one or the other of those happening. So they maybe they're exactly canceling out right now. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I totally understand why you want to know this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I th- maybe we can start with control because I think it'll drive. Actually, the reason you want people to use the referral program is because you can actually track the activity. So, really, the objective here could be control um, and more ref- more referrals. But like, yeah, what and and what, honestly, so if we have something? control. I, I can take that and say, okay, now we're going to run experiments and this and that. So yeah, I agree that just getting people to use something we can track is probably a good first step. Yeah. Cool. Um, so where, how do you want to, do you want me to start throwing out ideas? Well, there's one thing I haven't said yet, which is what I think the problem, like why don't people use the current That's great. thing? That's a good question. Yeah. Why aren't, why aren't they? So you're knowing you and you're probably going to be right. You're going to push back on what I say here, but I suspect that the reason people don't use it is I think maybe they do use it, but that the buying journey that people go through is not, Oh, my friend sent me a link to a CRM. I'm going to go sign up and pay at the end of my free trial. I think what it really is, is over the course of months or years, you are, you have CRM in the back of your head. You see a million different things. You read blog posts. A friend sends you a link. You're like, oh, less annoying CRM. Cool. One day I'll click, I'll, I'll go there. But by the time you actually sign up and are ready to buy, that link is history. And we, we're just not like able to connect the two from a reporting standpoint. That's my theory on this. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean, yeah, may, maybe. I, I don't I disagree with you. Um, one, one thing I thought of while you're talking was one of the one of the ways to think about this holistically, and this is what I've done at previous companies, and then also I've consulted on this concept a couple times, mm-hmm. um, is I like to think about the referral program as a product um, that you need to achieve product market fit on. Mm. And right now you have extremely low utilization, which suggests you don't have product market fit. Or maybe that the market, I, what I can't tell here is, do you have product market fit in a really small market for this referral program or do you have a big market with the wrong product? Yeah, I, I think it's the wrong. I don't know how big the market is, but I think it's the wrong product. Also, in addition to the problem I said, also like customers tell me all the time, oh, I just go to you know meetups and tell people. And so there's a lot of in-person stuff. So yeah, I think probably the product, maybe there is no correct product here and this is impossible, but 
we, we don't have the right product probably. Yeah. So what, what, what's interesting about this is your product is something that you're offering to your customer that they are in turn going to offer to one of their connections. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's kind of it got a two sided problem here. You've got to be providing enough value for the customer to, you know, want to spend the time and pain of going to do it. And then you've got to provide enough value. You've got to enable them to provide enough value to the, yeah, to the connection to have them actually appreciate it and take the action necessary to you know, go through the whatever you know time investment they need to go through to have it b- get used. Right. H- have you are you familiar with the book The Referral Engine? Oh yeah, because w- one of the main takeaways in that is people don't refer other people because they want to benefit from it. They do it because it makes them look savvy or it's kind of like an interpersonal, like pop, like I get points for doing this Mm -hmm. and, and that a referral program should make someone better at getting those social points, which giving a $10 credit, that's not why my customers are doing it, but I don't know what, what, what is the thing, you know? Yeah. Um, it sounds to me, my, my, my guess, and I don't really like talking in hypotheticals either, but I mean, it's, it seems like people like your product and they're, they, they're, they like it so much and they like your brand and your service so much. It's so remarkable that they're willing to talk about it. Yeah. They're not, the referral program isn't probably the reason no. that they're doing any of this. It's absolutely now, not. So, well, yeah, go ahead. So it could be. It could, it yeah. Could, so it, the perfect product here in this, I don't mean the product, the CRM that we're selling, but the, the referral product would say, Actually, so I was just at the conference. I just talked to 50 users face-to-face, and these are the people who do refer us, right? These are our biggest fans. And none of them, as far as I know, use our referral program. And I kind of talked about this a little bit, but yeah, like they they love us. What Like what can we offer them? What can we do to make them even like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not articulating this well, but I think we're on the same page that that if, if the type of person who's at the conference isn't using this program, then the program is does not have product market fit. Yeah, totally. And so it, it, I think if the way I might think about this is if you think about the referral program as a the referral program as a product and you think about what it's what what product by itself would make it what would your customers get value out of? Yeah. And taking advantage of, then you could come up some with some pretty interesting ideas on how to structure the referral program. Okay. Can um, we just dive in know, and do that? Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, once you get the the customer using it, then then we can move to, okay, how, how do we deliver it to, you know, how do we, del- how do we package this for the person being referred mm-hmm. um, so that they get value out of it on the other side? Okay. So let's leave that. Maybe that's another podcast episode sometime mm-hmm. in the future. Let's say for right now, we're saying, what is the product that I want to offer to my super fans who are already referring people that encourages them to like get, yeah, to, to actually want to use this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tell you what, the, the, the referral program that if I were going to build a referral program today um, would be modeled after, what do you call it? Uh, Morning Brew. Are you familiar with Morning Brew? It's a newsletter that... I don't uh, read it. I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, but go. Yeah, <laughs> Why it might be worth subscribing it? to just so you can get a taste of their ref- referral marketing. Mm-hmm. But they've grown. I, I don't know how much advertising they do, but their referral program is impressive. And I've 
I have, I, I am not a person who actively participates in a referral program, but there's been times where I'm like, I'm going to participate in this thing, but I always talk myself out of it because I don't want to, you know, take the time to register or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, like, um, what do they do? What that's so effective. they have, they, they have a number of different things and I, they've actually written a blog post about it, which I will find and send to you. Yeah. Can you um, put that in I, the the show notes, the, the description yes, you write up? Okay. Yes. I'll put them in the show notes. Um, but they, um, they basically have a referral link and it's a little bit different than your model. Let me be clear. Mm-hmm. They have a transactional, you know, newsletter sign up. So it's, it's very easy to invite and get people to sign up. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a catch there that I think is a little bit different, but they have, they have a gamified system of, you know, your first, your first referral gets you features in the software. Like, uh, I think once you refer one person, you get access to like the Sunday version of morning brew. Otherwise you don't have access to that. And then I don't want to butcher this, but I'll give you the general concept. Then like after five or so referrals, you get a morning brew coffee mug at 10 referrals. You get another like shirt at 20 referrals. You get, um, you know, a a, a even nicer piece of swag and it continues. So, and then each week they run actual uh, referral programs. Maybe it's not all, each week. Maybe it's a monthly thing, but they give away MacBooks and they get they yeah, give away and, all these things. We actually have tried. Now it was years ago, but we did try something like that, and it, that didn't move the needle for us. Maybe maybe it's worth giving it another shot. But I'm really interested in the idea of giving swag because that, generally speaking, I'm like, well, who wants a less annoying serum coffee mug? The person who's referring. Yeah, who's telling everyone they know about less annoying serum? That's the person who wants the coffee mug. <laughs> Maybe, right? Well, no, and- we we actually. Uh, sorry, I keep referencing the conference here. So several people walked up to us. Like last year at the user conference, we gave these um like leather bound folio things, you know, like those folder things that said less annoying serum on them. And one of the people from last year heard one of the other attendees didn't take theirs when they left, and he came up. He emailed us in advance. And was like, I want it. I want a second one. Like it would mean so much to me if I could get that person's and p- people came up and asked for t-shirts. They asked for all kinds of stuff. So I, I do think it would motivate the right type of person. Cool. More um, than $10 would probably. Yeah. And I think, uh, n- then you get into the next question, which is morning brew. They can, you know, you can quickly refer, I could refer you to morning brew right now and get the Sunday edition because all you got to do is go sign up, right? You got to mm-hmm. enter your email address and click yeah, sign up. Yeah. Uh, and they have that all tracked through their referral linking. Now you're not the same way, so this gets into an issue of: Do I believe I like? Do I believe I can get the Sunday Brew? Yes, I just have to refer one person, and it takes like ten seconds for you to go refer it. And in mm-hmm. fact, you're going to go do that right now because you're now interested in the referral program, right? Mm-hmm. I need to send you my referral link. All See? right, you can have yeah. your T-shirt. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, th- but but with you, like, if you wait till no one's going to be interested in waiting nine months for their friend to buy a CRM. Yeah. You know, so that they can get a coffee mug. That's fair. So, so here's something that's been on my mind that maybe is like too com- convoluted to work, but what if there's a step, an intermediate step before them signing up for a free trial that's effectively raising their hand to say, I'm somehow qualified. We, we could reward the refer based on that or not either way. But what that would al- allow us to do is then track their journey from then on. Um, I, yeah, you're, you're given facial expressions like you like that. I'm, wh- what do you think? Ha- have you heard of anything like that before? Yeah. I think what we're really talking about is what is the objective of the referral program? Is it to generate customers or is it to generate leads that you can convert into customers? And it sounds like what you just thought 
of was maybe a way for you to focus more on incentivizing lead generation uh, through the referral program mm-hmm. that you could figure out what to do with from there um, versus, you know, rewarding signups. Yeah. And especially, so if we're giving, you know, a meaningful monetary reward to people for it, probably I would want to wait for the, you know, someone to actually convert because we don't have a whole lot of money to play with here, like we were saying. But if we go back to the idea that the reason one of our big fans refers somebody, it's to make themselves look good to that person. So what I'm trying to think through is like, maybe the incentive is we're going to give you tools to really help this contact and you're going to look like the expert before sign up. I, I don't have this fully formed. I'm, I'm being very vague with this, but maybe the, the initial reward is look really good to the other person. And then down the line, the reward is get a t-shirt or a coffee mug. Yeah. It could be a, it could be a course, you know, how could you deliver that? It could be a course on what a CRM is and how to use it. it could be uh, that you do it for free. It could be a book that you write, an mm-hmm. ebook of some kind. Uh, there's a lot of different ideas there. I wonder if that it'd be even better if the thing makes that person look good though. Like, sorry, I'm being, I, I have like you, a half-formed thought here, but like, let's say John Doe is our customer who's referring their friend. If it, the thing is like, here's John Doe's tips for how to use a CRM, that they, they're probably more motivated to use that than here's less annoying CRM's tips on how to use it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. What do you, do you understand like, what, when when you were talking to these people at the conference, did you talk to them and say, when you refer, what do you, how do you, what do you say about less knowing CRM and who do you, how do you choose who to refer? Um, I, that first question, I think I definitely should have asked, like, what do you actually say? And I didn't. The second one, they, they basically volunteer once again, huge selection bias. This is not all of our customers that are this way, but they, they are like, I literally tell every business contact I come into touch with about less knowing CRM that, that's primarily what I heard. And it's in particular, a lot of them, we serve all different industries, but a lot of them are like business coaches or financial consultants, like people who are in the business of giving advice. So they really benefit from looking like I've got my shit together. Look at this tool that you've never heard of that I'm going to bring into your life. Yeah, Um, it's hard. Yeah, this is a hard, this is a hard thing. So let's let's go back to let's say it's an ebook just so we have something specific to talk about. Mm-hmm. How do you imagine the mechanics of it working? Like, how do we promote this to our customers? How do they send it to their customers? I almost um, I, I I almost think an ebook is too specific in a way, so okay. I don't like it as an as a use case. So, I mean, what if you just promised? value to the referee. Um, and by referee, I mean the person being referred. Mm-hmm. What, what if you just generali- generally said, hey, you know, tell, spread the word about less annoying CRM. We'll provide them a, a information. Maybe it's a newsletter, right? Like mm-hmm. a, a, a weekly newsletter about how to, how to live life less annoyingly. I, yeah. I, I'm getting into like, you know, there's something that one of the, pro- here's the, what I'm trying to get to. One of the problems that you have is not only the long sales cycle, but with morning brew, the mark, like the number of people I know who would benefit from morning brew is way ha- higher than the number of people I know that would benefit from less annoying CRM. Right. Right. And so it's almost like less annoying CRM 
as a product is not a great product for a referral program for the reasons we mentioned below before. Yeah, it, I I buy that. Except it seems like we should at least be able to capture the people who are already referring. Yeah, and that seems like that's that's going to happen more less on the the front end and more on the back end, capturing you know, hey, did you, were you referred? Click here for a ten dollar discount. Yeah, so I I should probably for people listen. You and I talked about this in the the Google Doc beforehand, but just so everyone listening knows, so we did do something like this in the past where. When people signed up, we asked, I, I forget exactly how we framed it. But we had like a question, how did you hear about us yep. and different options. One of them was I was referred. And then if people said that, we tried to follow up and figure out who referred them. First of all, this is a tedious process for a $10 a month product. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, in the early days when someone signs up for something, they're already getting a thousand emails from you, like verify your email address, you know, set up a demo, drip emails. I think it got lost in the noise to some extent, but the, the worst problem is then we'd We'd identify a number of areas where just the data was flat out wrong. People that we just couldn't trust the data. People would say, "Oh, I clicked on an ad," and then we'd be talking to them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, my friend Gina told me about this." And I'm like, "Well, you just said you clicked on an ad, and maybe they're both true. I don't know, but but we basically didn't trust any of the data." Yeah, how did you hear about us? Is probably a different question than where were you referred? Yeah. So you, you might you might get different results with a more direct question. Yeah, I totally, I get what you're saying and I totally agree. I'm a little nervous about this. It's kind of like when you go to a site that's like, do you have a coupon code? And you're like, well, I better go get a coupon code. Yeah. Um, I don't want to like make people who weren't referred feel like they're getting a raw deal. This, yeah, and this, and this is, well, and you don't want to incentivize people going to make up referrals. So you've got, you, this is getting back to the control versus growth trade-off. Yeah, but it, so that's fine with me. So something some people do that every time it happens, I, I just laugh because it's so clever. Um, we have a feature on our website. Anyone can like spin up a live demo without signing up or giving us any information. Um, just because we never bothered to, the referral program is not disabled for demos. So people spin up a demo and then refer themselves. And I'm, every time they do it, I'm like, ah, good for you. You get 10 bucks. <laughs> I mean, they have, they have to pay, right? We're not losing yeah. money on it. It just extends the free trial by a month, but... <laughs> And everyone who listens to this podcast at, uh, to this minute will uh, know the secret. This is your reward for being a listener of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess I, I, where I was going was, what if you looked at, uh, may, maybe you looked at, looked at referrals as more of a lead generator, start with there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then if you had a product that was easier to refer and more applicable to a broader audience then that would work. Like I'm going straight to like a, some sort of newsletter. Yeah. Or, right. so, uh, so, and when you, what you're saying is we should make a new quote unquote product. So we're not saying refer someone to the CRM. We're saying refer someone to this other product and that's transactional. And then we can drip campaign our way towards like the rest of the buying journey. Yep. Okay. So, and I like the idea of newsletter because it has this ongoing touch point. Cause if we're talking about an ebook, it's like, okay, they download the ebook, we capture their email, but you know, what what then? Um, I this is this is bringing me back to something else, if I can tangent a little bit here. Mm -hmm. A long time ago, you taught me about tofu, mofu, bofu, so top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, and how the buying journey starts at the top of funnel where someone just has a problem identified, I need more sales. Then they go to middle of funnel where they're researching solutions. Is that right? Like I need a CRM, and then bottom mm -hmm. of funnel is I'm looking at less annoying CRM. Yep. We've tried to execute on this and it's never worked because we can never get anyone in the top of funnel. 
this maybe what we're saying here is like this is we're going to use our current customers to to put leads into the top of this funnel that we've never been able to get work before and then just run through the normal marketing playbook as if they were any other lead. Yeah. Okay. And but be very careful about that because you have to do it through a newsletter. Right. Well, so, sorry. Or, be, or, be, be very careful about that. Whatever whatever you're using to capture them at the top of the funnel, whether it's a newsletter, a blog, you've got to be very careful not to abuse. You know this. Like oh, when you convert, when you people. take someone's email address, you can't spam them about. Yeah. You don't want to nurture them through a CRM pitch. Yeah. Everyone who's ever done marketing at this company like leaves hating me because they're like, you you wouldn't let me send anyone any fucking emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're gonna be on the other side of that problem probably, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it seems like, yeah, it seems your how bit how how many people do you have who in your database or larger audience that are not users? Oh well, the total database a lot, and uh, so I realize this isn't what you're asking, but one one opportunity for the future, we have about a hundred million contacts that our customers are storing in the CRM. That's the yeah. broadest answer to that. We have about I want to say two hundred thousand people who have ever signed up for a free trial, maybe. That might be high because that might, might count guest accounts, but 100,000, let's call it. We've got 14, I want to say, thousand people on our newsletter, maybe four or 5,000 of them are current customers. So what happens there, every time someone signs up for a free trial, we the first thing they see when they log in is a pop-up that's like, do you want to be on the newsletter? And they can click yes or no. Uh, so th- these are all like opt-in. Then only 25% of those people pay at the end of the free trial. So that's why we have... A, a newsletter with a lot more people on it than who, you know, many, the, the minority of the newsletters actually paying us, but they don't unsubscribe for whatever reason. And the, is it the reason, is that the only email capture point you have currently? We have one. Okay. So we have one on our blog, but we just don't get any traffic to our blog, except our co- people who are already customers or already free trial users. So Basically, yes. That's that's like ninety nine percent of our newsletter growth is from that. Yeah, we're getting a little off topic here. I, coming back to customer referral program, it feels like it feels like people are like if you could somehow gamify it, make it more fun, then maybe you'll get some more usage of the referral program. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it sounds like you have a top like what we're talking, what we, the reason we shifted to this conversation is it really sounds like you have a top of the funnel problem and you want to expand the top of the funnel. And if you could figure out how to make referral program, a customer referral program do that for you. Great. If I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, every business would love to have more top of the funnel leads, but the reason I'm excited about this is because it would help the referral program, not the other way around. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I guess I I don't, I don't know what, what else is there any other topics you want to cover? So let me ask you this. Let's say we've got this product, a newsletter or whatever else, we've got some kind of drip campaign to tape, take them from the top to the bottom of the funnel. How would you go about making customers aware that this exists? Because I do think probably at least one problem with our current system is nobody knows it's there. Oh man, I don't, I can't believe we skipped that. <laughs> like that's like, I was going to, I meant to ask you that. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. we, we think, make it awareness is a problem. Yeah. Like if, okay, if you go to our current app and you go anywhere, if you go to the settings page, it's like, big like if you were just doing it like a seo analysis of it you'd be like this is the main thing on the page but it's in such a way users just gloss over it and i think a lot of people actually don't know it's there yeah i mean 
like, like, can you immediately go change that? Well, th- th- that's my problem. It is visually very obvious, but I'm just saying someone looks at it and they're like, that's not a set. I'm looking for a setting. That's not a setting. There's no reason yeah, it needs to be on the settings, settings page. to see this. Like, I- I'm wondering if you could, I, I, it, it feels like if you can make your referral program fun in, in its own right, regardless mm-hmm. of how you handle the back end. And you can tell that story from free trial all the way through using the product without being annoying, mm-hmm. then that might work. And that if it doesn't, I would run away from this. Like, yeah, I would, I would, do, I would do the very minimum to get, capture referrals, but I wouldn't spend much more time on customer referral programs. Yeah, yeah I, I hear you. I, I'm not. Um, yeah, the the making it fun thing and all that I, I buy, but like, let's say I've achieved that. I'm just trying to think of the. What's the right way to make people aware of it without annoying the seven times? Like you have to, you have to put this. But do what? You, put it where? I'm, I'm talking specifically. Like, do you oh, email okay. it? So, do you? So I would. I mean, I would. I don't know what your onboarding flow looks like, but it's it, like if five you can trip ha- emails, I think. Well, I'm, I'm thinking just like your actual workflow, like on. Oh, I'm okay. signing up. Beginner's I mean, guide I'm, I'm th- is the main one. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing the beginner's guide. Is that what's called? It's, it's a series of ten-ish short videos. Um, the, the idea is they watch what a video. What forms then go are they do filling it. out? Sorry. What forms are they filling out? Um, that there's a sign-up form. A decent number of people do demos with us, but definitely not the majority. So how much of... I, I'm not asking the right question. Um, how much of your onboarding flow from first hit to the website to usage of the product talks about being a part of the community and growing the community and being part of the less annoying movement? And, uh, yeah, none. And, and, okay, so that's what I'm trying to get to is... Maybe this is more about less about a referral, ten dollar referral program, and more about being part of the less annoying community and introduce and, and inviting more people more often mm-hmm. to that community and to participate. And part part of that community is the referral program, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fun that comes with that, and the incentives that come with that. But maybe, and then part of it's just telling the story about the, you know, introduce, bringing them on board to this community that's, that they may not know as a, that has many benefits of one, which is referral program, but they, you know, they, they are, should be excited to be a part of, and it's as much of the pro it's a part of the product. It's just not a feature. Yeah. It's not a CRM I, feature, but it's I part buy of that. I think probably, okay. So making it more of a community and stuff. So how would you apply that? to like there actually has to be a time where we say go refer people or or many times um do you think it's just oh yeah go ahead yeah like if we're talking about community the whole time we're not saying go refer people how do you so right now i look at the the customer referral program as a small piece I know we're talking about customer referral program right now, yeah. but I I see it as a small piece of a larger word of mouth, you know, camp, campaign that starts, you know, when they first interact with your brand and continue through usage. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole it's it's part of it's like it's part it's kind of the the phrase that's popular right now is join the movement. Be, you know, there are a number of ways that your employee, your users can join the movement. Some one way, you know, the deepest way might be attending the conference. The second deepest way might be the ref- participating in the referral program. But before that, maybe it's, you know, I don't know. I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know what else you're doing. I hear you, you. Know, joining the newsletter. 
Yeah, and and we're we're getting a lot of people. About fifty percent of the people who sign up for a free trial opt into the newsletter. Um, so one thing I'm I'm thinking here. So I'm I, like I said earlier, I'm really hesitant to send emails to people that. Basically, my rule is, if this email is directly helping them with a specific thing, it's we can send it. Every business is like, well, indirectly it helps them because blah blah blah. If they refer us customers, we make more money, and then we can build better features. I'm not talking about that. Um, but the newsletter, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I, let me be clear: you can't ask for referrals. That is like no, no, rule no number just, one. I, I, no, I understand no, here, here, that, here, but make them here, aware that it exists. You you can't ask for referrals. What you can do is passively market the referral program in your newsletter, in your onboarding flow, in your yeah, yeah. app. But that's what I'm talking tab. about is the specific tactics of doing that. Oh, just um, gosh. So like I'm I'm thinking you said newsletter. I'm thinking that's one where people opted into it. It's it's promotional for us by de- definition. It's not a transactional email. So I'm thinking that's probably the number one thing that only touches fifty percent of our free trial users, but that's yeah. So a there's good emails, start. right? Yeah. Like let's just break it down into where there's emails and there's website pages and then there's app there's you know public website pages and then there's app pages. Yeah. Are there any other like content? I mean I'd say we... with e- well we have blog posts and stuff. I guess that's a public page. I'd break emails into emails sent by the software to its users versus newsletter. Newsletter. Yeah. Newsletter, email, emails. Um, and then let's just call it website pages. Mm-hmm. How much, if, if you, if I were to, if you were to like, if I, we were to look at a hundred percent of like one of your app pages, what percentage is dedicated to pr- promoting something for less annoying CRM? Our app pages? Any page on your app. Uh, on average, what percentage of the page is dedicated to promoting? I mean, none. I'm guessing aside from 0%. That, aside from that referral thing I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. In the we don't have anything tab? else to promote. Like we don't, we don't sell well, anything else. You have a referral program that you're not promoting right now. Yeah. Well, I think putting it in the, like you have, you where have does it features. go? You I know you go ahead. Yeah. I, I guess I don't, I guess you're a good designer. You're great. I, I think you're a great designer. It seems to me that if you adopted a mentality of, we need to promote things X percent of the time mm-hmm. um, and you designed with that in mind, you'd have a lot more places that weren't intrusive, weren't overly intrusive to present this and you know, the morning, coming back to morning brew, morning brew does this in their email newsletter very thoughtfully it's, and they have like an asterisk next to all promotional stuff and you can skim past it. Um, and it's in every, it's in every newsletter. So, you know, it's going to be there, but it's surrounded by so much valuable content. And I don't know how you do that without, you have to do that very skillfully, especially within the app, if you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I'm hesitant in the app because we we just, as I say every week, we're working on a redesign. And one of the goals is to like really use screen real estate effectively. And one of the things is we just completely removed the old referral stuff, uh, like the the links to it, thinking, oh, we'll figure out a place to put this. But I keep thinking about it. I'm like, I have no clue where it can fit because the page is being used pretty effectively now. Yeah, yeah. And you haven't designed, it sounds like you haven't designed your product with word of like join the movement referral, you know, being a part of the messaging on every page. Yeah. I I do think you mentioned the beginner's guide earlier. That's one place. There's plenty of real estate there. Now people leave that of course. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to get across to you is 
going back to the designs and trying to fit it in is different than designing with word of mouth growth in mind. I completely agree. But I think one of the reasons people are willing to refer the product is because we're not, we are designing it with their value in mind and not our value. That's fair. That's fair. Um, their value, though, is is predicated on your ability to sustain yourself. And so you could, I know we get, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. So uh, one last thing uh, to me, like if I were you in your shoes, I would start with make focusing on awareness and tracking like your usage now with the awareness you're doing now, and then try to do some measurable things to increase awareness and see if that has an impact it may give you some more evidence as to the value of the program as it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I would start. And once you've, and, and I would also, I would probably add the question to, to the sign the, up, to the sign up form have you been and referred? just have you been referred and test it for 30 days and see what, like I would do like, I would, I design some time frame of test to see if you can increase usage of the referral program the way it is right now, driving awareness and then capturing more data on how many of your new users are being referred versus not. Yeah. So that's less about a referral program. So there's, there's, if, if maybe we can just go to takeaways here. Yeah, that's, so, that's great. Okay. There's two, there's two areas here. One is how can we better track who's being referred and, and who's not, and probably just asking them in a better way. I, I agree. Probably the way we were asking them was wrong. Your way is better. Still won't be perfect, but that pretty much solves that problem. Just ask people when they sign up. The second thing is how do we actually get people to use a referral program, which is not quite the same thing. And the the conclusion there, and I think this is probably going to be true for any B2B SaaS app because they all have like, it's, it's never a transactional sale, is you need to make something else you can offer the person being referred, a product, so to speak, that is transactional. That's where the the linking between the referrer and the referee gets made. And then everything after that's just a traditional marketing funnel to get them to sign up. Yeah. And and I'm I'm actually realizing like take HubSpot. Remember HubSpot back in the day when mm-hmm. we were looking at it? You know, they they have a customer referral program, sure, but the way they generated most of their leads was not customers of their the core product. It was greater.com, website greater.com. And eventually it became greater.hubspot.com. But it was basically a tool that you put in your email address in and it you uploaded some certain information. I think you just put your website in. And it analyzed it and you put your email address in at the end and it sent you a report. And then mm. I think, you know, you were, it was so much value that you naturally shared that information and then people came to that simple product. So yeah, I, t- I, I realized like, I think a lot of the really good B2B companies here have designed a transactional product at the top of the funnel that helps them, you know, generate, you know, qualify leads, you know, for their core product, but also has some sort of referral Mm-hmm. You know, natural referral effect. This is also the idea behind using freemium with B2B is yeah. no one is going to refer an enterprise CRM, but people might refer like a quick contact manager that's free to use. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, that gave me a lot to think about. Um, I will almost certainly bring up a follow-up topic as a future. Like <laughs> we'll do this and it'll either work or it'll fail, but I think word of mouth is such a bigger topic than what we got into today that probably over the coming episodes we'll pick off bits and pieces of this. So thanks for all your thoughts on that. Yeah. Any um, other takeaways before we sign off? I have a lot of other ideas that are probably so specific. I should just go talk about it with other team members here, but yeah, probably that's <laughs> cool. good for the uh, podcast. 
All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. You can join the conversation on this topic and review past topics by visiting startuptolast.com. If you have questions, contact us via the website or on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. That's startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.